Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Markets react as the turmoil in China eases. Fed officials stress more rate hikes are on the way. The Biden administration asked Congress to force a rail deal despite union objections. And Elon Musk has a public spat with Twitter's top advertiser, Apple. The NYPD busts a multi-million dollar operation of counterfeit goods, plus a Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage is set to pass today. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Howard Sports. The Red Hot Devils beat the Rangers. Nets beat the Magic in its winner go home for the U.S. today at the World Cup. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. futures are mostly higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up about eight points. Dow futures are little changed. Nasdaq futures up 43. The DAX in Germany is down a quarter percent, and the 10-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 3.67 percent. Yield on the two-year 4.43 percent. Nathan. Okay, Karen. We'll get back to the markets in a minute, but first we want to update you on the situation in China. Health officials have held their first briefing since protests over COVID restrictions began last week. Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung-Wilkins has the latest from Hong Kong. We saw quite muted, uh, if any, activity overnight. Um, we saw very heavy police presence in a lot of major Chinese cities like Beijing and Shanghai. Um, and in, in part, that did lead to quite a reduced effort. Um, the briefing, quite frankly, so far has steered away from really overtly talking about the protests, but there did seem to be a somewhat sort of softening in tone from authorities acknowledging that some of the implementation of COVID controls has been relatively strict. Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung-Wilkins reports China plans to speed up vaccinations for the elderly, but it's stopping short of enacting mandates. Well, Nathan, stocks in Asia surged as unrest over COVID curbs eased. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index rallied more than 5%, while stocks in China gained 3%. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Shares rallied in Hong Kong and on the mainland as some investors speculated that the protests may hasten a shift away from COVID zero policies. Traders also took heart from the lifting of China's multi-year ban on share sales by builders. China's 10-year government bond yield advanced to its highest level in a year as support measures announced for the property sector dented hopes of further monetary policy easing. And the Japanese yen rose, as did an index of emerging market currencies. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Juliet, thanks. Now let's take a look at U.S.-China relations now, where the response to Beijing's crackdown on protests so far has been muted. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. 
The U.S. has spoken very strongly in the past about human rights, and now National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says a watchful eye here. We're watching this closely, as you might expect we would. And again, we continue to stand up and support the right of peaceful protest. Um, and I think we're going to watch this closely and, and we'll see where things go. Kirby says the Biden administration does not expect the protest to affect the supply chain or global economy. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Meantime, President Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi are moving to prevent a shutdown of the U.S. freight railroad systems. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. President Biden asked Congress to intervene to block a strike. The House is preparing to take up a bill to impose a labor settlement despite some unions' objections. Pelosi says they're making the move reluctantly, but they have to avoid what she calls a catastrophic nationwide strike, which could hurt the economy by crippling supply chains. A coalition of more than 400 business groups sent a letter to congressional leaders urging them to step in. The strike deadline is December 9th. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thanks. Another Another major impact on the economy in recent months has been higher interest rates. And now Fed officials are stressing the central bank is not done hiking. Here's New York Fed President John Williams. Further tightening monetary policy should help restore balance between demand and supply and bring inflation back to 2% over the next few years. It will take some time, but I'm fully confident that we'll return to a sustained period of price development. New York Fed President John Williams made those comments at a virtual event hosted by the Economic Club of New York. At the same time, St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard says financial markets are underestimating the chance of more aggressive policy next year. They're counting the first 250 basis points as if that was a tightening of monetary policy, but really that's just getting up to the long-run neutral level of the policy rate. We've only recently moved into restrictive territory, and we're going to have to move farther in order to keep inflation under control. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard and other officials have signaled they plan to raise rates by 50 basis points next month. Well, Nathan, more signs this morning the aggressive Fed tightening could lead to a recession. A gauge of global bonds measuring the worldwide yield curve has inverted for the first time in at least two decades. The inversion of the yield curve is typically seen as a prediction for a recession as investors switch money to longer-term bonds due to pessimism over the short-term outlook. Well, let's turn to crypto now, Karen. The fallout from FTX continues. BlockFi is the latest crypto firm to collapse. The digital asset lender says it'll use Chapter 11 to recover everything it's owed by counterparties, including FTX. But BlockFi acknowledged that recoveries are likely to be delayed by FTX's bankruptcy. And Nathan, Elon Musk is in the spotlight again this morning. The billionaire is publicly attacking Apple, which is one of Twitter's top advertisers. Musk says Apple has cut its Twitter advertising and threatened to block the social network from its app store. Kurt Wagner has more from our Bloomberg 960 newsroom in San Francisco. The app store is is probably um, the main way or one of the main ways that most of its users get the app, get app updates. So, you know, for example, I believe the app would still work on my phone, but in order to, you know, get an updated version, I have an iPhone, I might have to, you know, figure out a way to download that from the web. It's the kind of thing that's going to erode over time and cause a lot of people to either stop using Twitter or, or you know, uh, possibly have to move to a different device. And so that's a huge issue. And one of the reasons I tweeted that I think Twitter needs Apple a lot more than Apple mm. needs Twitter here. And that's because Apple has the distribution at its at its fingertips. Bloomberg Technology reporter Kurt Wagner says Elon Musk is firing back at Apple, asking whether it hates free speech. And futures this morning higher. S&P futures up about seven points. Dow futures, they're little changed. NASDAQ futures up 38. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 
Hey, thanks, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street, 37 degrees in Central Park. Westbound Cross Bronx Expressway is closed at Jerome Avenue. We'll tell you why in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The NYPD made a big bust stopping a counterfeit goods operation. Police seized over $10 million in knockoff merchandise from vendors on Canal Street. During a news conference, officials said authorities had gotten several complaints in lower Manhattan about the fake purses, sneakers, and other items being sold on the streets. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre spoke to ABC7. Sidewalks were blocked. There was property everywhere, merchandise everywhere. And this really impacts local businesses in a negative manner. Chief Madre says 17 people were arrested and three truckloads of counterfeit items were seized. Five New Haven, Connecticut police officers were charged yesterday in a June incident that left a 36-year-old man paralyzed. Prosecutors say Randy Cox was handcuffed and not wearing a seatbelt when he flew headfirst into the back of a police transport van when the driver suddenly stopped. New Haven Mayor Justin Elliker. The city of New Haven is committed to accountability for all individuals involved in this tragic incident. Mayor Elliker says the officers were charged with reckless endangerment and cruelty. Meanwhile, Cox's family has filed a $100 million civil suit against the officers and the city. A Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage cleared another procedural hurdle last night. An amendment to Respect for Marriage Act would ensure it does not infringe on religious rights and protections. Passage of the legislation is expected today. Former Vice President Mike Pence said Donald Trump showed poor judgment for dining last week at his Mar-a-Lago resort with rapper Ye and well-known white nationalist Nick Fuentes. Pence says his former boss should denounce their hateful rhetoric without qualification. President Trump was wrong uh, uh, to give uh, a white nationalist uh, um, an anti-Semite and a Holocaust denier a seat at the table. And uh, I think he should apologize. Pence spoke to News Nation. New Jersey Democratic Governor Phil Murphy says his administration has launched a review of its handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. The governor in a statement says the administration hired a regional law firm and a management consulting firm. A report is expected in late 2023. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashow. Good morning, Nathan. First meeting the season between the Devils and Rangers who were in the NHL's Final Four last season. Devils haven't even been to the playoffs since 2018. But no doubt who the better team has been so far this season. The Devils started 0-2. They are 19-2 since then. They won 5-3 at the Garden coming back from an early 2-0 deficit. At Barclays, 45 points for Kevin Durant. He missed only five shots. The Nets beat Orlando 109-102 to get to 500. Kyrie Irving added 20. Ben Simmons, who's finally been starting to play like he did with Philadelphia, hurt his knee. He's day-to-day. Kemba Walker, the New York native whose homecoming with the Knicks last season did not go well, has signed with Dallas. The Mavs hope he can fill the role Jalen Brunson had with them last season. Brunson now, of course, with the Knicks. The Yankee offseason goals try and get better than Houston, but the Astros already World Series champs, and they just signed free agent slugger Jose Abreu, spent nine years with the White Sox. He was the AL MVP in 2020. 
Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh beat Indianapolis 24-17. U.S. World Cup team played well in the draw with England, but in reality their situation would likely be the same as it is now had they lost that game. Beat Iran today, advance, lose, or have a third straight tie, and they are leaving Qatar. The U.S. coach is Greg Berhalter. Make no mistake about it, this is a knockout game for both teams. So it's going to be a high-level intensity um, you know, I love what Iran's done um, so far, especially the last game. A lot of commitment, um, really good counterattacking. And, um, you know, we expect it to be a, a hotly contested game, and, and we'll be ready for it. It starts 2 o'clock. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. S&P futures now up 9 points. Dow futures up 24. NASDAQ futures are higher by 44 points. Ten-year treasuries up 230 seconds. The yield... 3.67%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are pointing to a moderately stronger open as speculation mounts that unrest in Chinese cities over COVID restrictions would force authorities to move faster in loosening the curves. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up about 11 points. Dow futures up 34. NASDAQ futures up 50. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 3.67%. Yield on the two-year, 4.43%. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.3% of $1.79 at $79.03 a barrel. COMEX gold up 8 tenths percent or $13.50 at $17.68.80 an ounce. The euro, 1.0382 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2013. And the yen is at 138.10. Bitcoin is up 1.9% at $16,500. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Chinese universities are sending students home as the ruling Communist Party tightens antivirus controls and tries to prevent more protests. Crowds angered by its severe zero-COVID restrictions have called for President Xi Jinping to resign. President Biden is asking Congress to intervene and block a railroad strike before next month's deadline. At the World Cup later today, the U.S. faces Iran in a match with strong political overtones. Iran is angry after the U.S. Soccer Federation displayed on social media a doctored image of the Iranian flag without the emblem of the Islamic Republic. The U.S. must beat Iran to advance. In the NFL, the Steelers beat the Colts 24-17. In the NBA, the Nets, Wizards, and Celtics won. In the NHL, the Devils beat the Rangers 5-3. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to get the latest on the situation in China with these days of protests continuing over strict COVID measures. Uh, joining us live from Hong Kong now is Bloomberg Chief Asia Economics Correspondent Enda Curran. Enda, good morning. Uh, as Michael mentioned in the news there, we have seen uh, some pretty strong crackdowns on these protests. At the same time, we're hearing something of a more conciliatory tone from Chinese health officials. What more can you tell us about what's happening there? 
So two developments across China today. On the one side of things, the protests have been subdued because there was, of course, a very strict police response to those protests. That was to be expected. These protests were unprecedented. They were explicitly criticizing the Communist Party and in some cases calling for President Xi Jinping to step down. So obviously there would be a response and that's what, that is what happened. Some of our colleagues in Beijing made the point as well that uh, sub-zero weather conditions also probably meant that the uh, kept protesters off the streets. So that side of things has gone quiet. Secondly, the government came out today with a pledge to focus on increasing the vaccination rate, and in particular, increasing the vaccination rate of the elderly aged 80 and above. That's a segment of the population that is underprotected at the moment, either via actual vaccination jab or boosters. Now, they said they would promote the vaccination in nursing homes. They said they would use uh, big data, for example, to target those who have not been vaccinated, but they didn't detail any specific mandates or new rules that would force people to get the vaccination. Regardless, I think all of the developments today are being taken by analysts as a kind of a, another step in China's process towards eventually ex- exiting COVID-0. Now, they certainly haven't said they're going to live with the virus or anything like that. It's a long road ahead, but it seems as though China may be taking at least some of the initial steps in that journey. So it's an initial step, and uh, are, is the Chinese government signaling any further steps it could take to try to get past COVID-0? Well, we all know the complications in this. A few weeks ago, China did come out with a 20-point plan, which, broadly speaking, tweaked and relaxed some measures, say, around the duration of quarantine and, and testing requirements to land in China, and on the ground changed up how local authorities should deal with outbreaks of the virus. But at the same time, the authorities keep preaching that they don't want the virus to spread because we all know China is, uh, as I just discussed, it's underprotected in terms of its elderly population when it comes to vaccines. Its hospital network isn't at the kind of uh, level it would need to be to cope with a major outbreak of the disease. And obviously, if COVID was to run rampant, China will be dealing with a major public health issue, which, of course, would have also have knock-on consequences on supply chains and its broader economy. So it's in something of a difficult position. Uh, the question for China is how does it navigate out of this, on the one hand, trying to control the spread of the, of the virus, but on the other hand, of course, allowing the economy to get back on its feet. It's a very difficult position for them. And that's why I think a lot of the analysts today are making the point they seem to be making baby steps now towards towards changing up its COVID game plan that will probably become a hybrid of somewhat mitigating against the virus while also, of course, allowing mobility and consumers to get back on the road again. And as we've been mentioning, many of the demonstrators have been calling on Chinese President Xi Jinping to resign over this. We've mentioned sort of the unprecedented nature of some of these protests. How much of a uh, uh, a potential risk does this put on President Xi's leadership? Well, so the protests varied in scale and size, according to our colleagues in Beijing and Shanghai. There was also some small-scale protests in Hong Kong last night as well, by the way. Um, I, You know, listening to the experts, n- nobody, I think, is of a view just yet that this is posing a major systemic threat to the government's authority or anything like that. We know that President Xi just, of course, cemented his command. He's appointed key supporters into top positions. Uh, So it's not widely felt that there is a direct threat on the government. But nonetheless, it is sensitive. Uh, It is very delicate for the authorities. They, on the one hand, will want to allow some of 
the public frustration to be vented. That seemed to be what they were doing by allowing these protests to spread the way they did in the first instance. But on the other hand, of course, they'll want to make sure they don't spread beyond their comfort zone. That's why they heavily censored the social media posting. That's why they responded the way they did last night with those arrests and with the police response. So it's a very, it is tricky and sensitive in China. Protests against the government are not allowed. Uh, but I haven't heard too many experts, experts say just yet that it's a major threat for the government. Yeah, trying to stop protest and the virus from spreading. Thanks for this, Enda. Great having you on with us, as always. Bloomberg Chief Asia Economics Correspondent Enda Curran joining us live this morning from Hong Kong. S&P futures right now up 11 points. Dow futures up 39 and NASDAQ futures up 55 points, seeing a little bit of strengthening in the futures contracts right now. The 10-year Treasury is moving higher as well, up 430 seconds. The yield down to 3.66%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny today. Highs in the upper 40s. Tomorrow we'll see rain and a breeze, a little milder. Highs in the upper 50s. We'll be back in the mid-40s, sunny, breezy for Thursday. Right now, 37 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure is a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin in China, where officials say they're looking to speed up COVID vaccinations for senior citizens, but they're stopping short of mandates. It comes on the heels of protests to China's strict COVID policies. Craig Singleton, senior China fellow at the Foundation for Defense and Democracies, says President Xi Jinping might not have many options for easing restrictions. I suspect going forward, the big problem is going to be that the CCP has not articulated a clear path out of zero COVID. And Xi Jinping has so closely staked his legacy on the notion that China's pandemic response has been better than the West. That narrative would be really damaged if China lifted these controls. Craig Singleton with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies is a guest on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Meantime, Karen, the U.S. is taking note of China's response to the protests. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby talked about it yesterday. People should be allowed the right to assemble and to peacefully protest policies or laws or dictates that they take issue with. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the White House does not expect the protests to affect supply chains. All the while, Nathan, stocks in Asia surged with the unrest over COVID curbs easing. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index rallied more than 5%, while stocks in China gained 3%. U.S. futures rose and European stocks also opened higher. Looking at the broader economy, Karen, Fed officials are stressing more rate hikes are on the way to curb inflation. New York Fed President John Williams says it'll take some time to get to price stability. And St. Louis President Jim Bullard says markets should expect aggressive tightening into next year. We've only recently moved into restrictive territory, and we're going to have to move farther in order to keep uh, inflation under control. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard and other officials have signaled they plan to raise rates by 50 basis points next month. 
And a gauge of global bonds is revealing aggressive Fed tightening could lead to a recession, Nathan. A gauge measuring the worldwide yield curve has inverted for the first time in at least two decades. The inversion is typically seen as a sign of pending recession. And in politics today, Karen President Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi are moving to prevent a shutdown of the nation's freight railroads. The White House is asking Congress to intervene. The House is preparing to take up a bill that would impose a labor settlement. And futures this morning are higher. S&P futures up 12 points. Dow futures up 47. And NASDAQ futures up 60. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 37 degrees in Central Park. Still got that closure westbound cross Bronx to Jerome Avenue. Michael Barr is here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City police busted a massive counterfeit operation last night, hauling away $10 million worth of bogus merchandise and arresting 17 people. One bystander witnessed the sudden takedown. All you saw was... NYPD jumping out. Unmarked cars, marked cars, paddy wagons. They got to clear the whole thing from here to here. And these guys are usually set up all night. Rolex watches, everything you can imagine. East St. Laurent, all of the stuff. In planning the raid, police worked with luxury goods manufacturers who examined the merchandise in advance to certify it was counterfeit. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre. He or she will look at the property and say this is, this is not authentic. This is a knockoff bag. This is a fake pair of sneakers. Chief Madre says those arrested are now facing charges such as trademark counterfeiting property over $1,000, which is a felony offense. A white supremacist will spend the rest of his life in prison for killing 10 black shoppers and workers in a Buffalo grocery store last May. 19-year-old Peyton Gendron pleaded guilty to several charges, including murder and hate-motivated domestic terrorism charges, which carry an automatic sentence of life without parole. Garnell Whitfield's mother was shot and killed in the supermarket. Whitfield is calling on lawmakers to act. I want them to uh, call out white supremacy. I want them to uh, treat it like the cancer that it is. Garnell Whitfield, who watched the court proceedings, says Gendron had no emotion. He had no regret and had no remorse. A Senate bill protecting same-sex marriage cleared another procedural hurdle last night with the passage of the legislation expected today. The 6135 vote allows the Senate to move ahead with an amendment to the measure that ensures it does not infringe on religious rights and protections. The Respect for Marriage Act would federally recognize same-sex marriages and ensure benefits for all married couples. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. The Rangers got their first up-close look at the Devils, who began the season 0-2 but are 19-2 since. They began last night down 2-0. Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad with Ranger goals in the first three minutes with the Devils with... Two in the first period, two more in the second. Empty net at the end. They won 5-3 at the Garden. The Nets, after the slow start of Claude, back to 500. They beat Orlando at Barclays 109-102. Kevin Durant was superb, 45 points. He shot 19 of 24. But the Nets lost Ben Simmons to a knee injury. He's day-to-day. Kemba Walker spent last season with the Knicks. 
Signed with Dallas baseball free agent signing Jose Abreu with the world champion Houston Astros. One of their football, a couple of subpar AFC teams. Pittsburgh won at Indianapolis 24 to 17. Jets coach Robert Sala confirmed the obvious. Mike White will start Sunday at Minnesota, but Sala said his quarterback situation is week to week. And the intent is still to get Zach Wilson ready to play. Tiger Woods is going to play in the Bahamas this weekend. He's got a foot injury and had to pull out. U.S. World Cup team tied England, who beat Iran easily 6-2, but Iran beat Wales, who the U.S. could not beat. It's the U.S. and Iran today, and the American captain is midfielder Tyler Adams. It's going to be a tough battle. You know, we're going to have to have a lot of energy in this game and make sure that we're mentally prepared, pay attention to all the details in the game, set pieces, um, and their midfield is, is quite impressive, you know, a very technical midfield. And, you know, for me, it's always difficult to play against a technical midfield when they can control the ball and control the game. So, um, you know, we're going to have to do our homework on, 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 them, on the game that they played previously. The U.S. victory today, and it's on to the knockout round. Loss or a tie, and they're going home. John Stashow with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. The computer network at a Brooklyn hospital group crashed more than a week ago, and the Post says patients from Brookdale, Interfaith, and Kingsbrook Jewish hospitals have been redirected for treatment. Medical staffers can't access patient records. The Post says the crash is a potential data security risk. The union representing student workers at Columbia Universities demanded and received an apology for what the school newspaper says was an interruption of a union meeting by uniformed NYPD officers. The chair of the union group says officers questioned him about a suspected protest. The union is accusing the university of sending the officers to disrupt the meeting. And worries about inflation have not stopped raises at a number of New Jersey businesses. The New Jersey Business and Industry Association survey of business leaders in the state also finds businesses saw increased sales and often larger profits this past year. But NJ Spotlight says they're still worried about regulations and taxes. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Joan Doniger. All right, Joan, thank you. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about California-based In-N-Out Burger, taking the top spot in a survey of America's favorite burger chains. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. Gasoline prices have fallen to their lowest level since February. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WFLA in Orlando, I'm reporting that Disney's returning CEO Bob Iger is revisiting some of his predecessors' more controversial decisions, including requiring reservations for guests at theme parks. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We've been reporting on the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak saying the golden era of UK-China relations is over, but that he wants to engage with Beijing. I'm Joan Doniger telling WWJ listeners in Detroit that General Motors dealerships have a growing business repairing Teslas. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. President Joe Biden has often described his plan to cancel some federal student loan debts as a game changer. And in one sense, this policy has proved transformative, but by making a bad system worse. Biden's plan would provide $10,000 in relief to individual borrowers with annual incomes of $125,000 a year or less. But a federal appeals court recently ruled in favor of six Republican-led states that oppose loan forgiveness. So with its plans stalled, the administration has resorted to a fallback, 
extending a freeze on federal student loan payments, which has been in place since the start of the pandemic. It's difficult to overstate the folly of this decision. Freezing student loan payments made some sense during the early months of the pandemic, but there's no such justification now. Biden has decided to double down on a costly mistake. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures are up 13 points. Dow futures up 43. NASDAQ futures up 64 points. This is Bloomberg. And the Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are pointing to a moderately stronger open on Wall Street as speculation mounts that unrest in Chinese cities over COVID restrictions would force authorities to move faster in loosening the curves. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 13 points. Dow futures up 40. NASDAQ futures up 63. The DAX in Germany is up two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds, yield 3.65 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.42 NYMEX crude oil is up 2.5% of $1.91 at $79.15 a barrel. COMEX gold up 8 tenths percent or $14.50 at $17.69.80 an ounce. The euro 1.0387 against a dollar. British pound 1.2021 and the yen 137.91. And Bitcoin is up 2% at $16,500. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Congress is being called to stop a looming national railroad strike as President Biden urges lawmakers to act. Biden says while he's pro-labor, the economic impact of a shutdown would hurt millions of other working people and families. NATO Chief Jens Stoltenberg accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of using winter as a weapon. Ukraine's leader warned that the Kremlin is preparing new strikes to inflict more damage on the energy system. At the World Cup later today, the U.S. faces Iran in a match with strong political overtones. Iran is angry after the U.S. Soccer Federation displayed on social media a doctored image of the Iranian flag without the emblem of the Islamic Republic. Global news, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks for coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're pleased to be joined live now by Joe Quinlan, the head of CIO Market Strategy at Maryland Bank of America Private Bank. Joe, thanks for being here early with us this morning as we watch a, sort of a tentative move back into risk on the uh, baby steps I think we're seeing coming out of China on COVID-0. I wonder how you read this market reaction to what's happening overseas. Well, I think yesterday was an overreaction, given the news coming out, what China was happening in China. And then today, the same thing. I mean, the key for investors that 
it's not even baby steps, Nathan, in the sense that this isn't going to be solved overnight. China's going to gradually, over months, work with COVID-19, zero COVID policy. So I won't get too excited. The good news for investors, for sure, China recognizes the problem. They're dealing with it. But this is not a flick of a switch. This is a, a, this is multi-month workout period. So how do you position, uh, given that thesis, that uh, it could be a long time coming before we see a real move away from COVID-0 in China? Well, we think China's investable, but really we prefer the U.S. assets because what you're seeing with the volatility in Hong Kong and China, even in Europe, it's just a rush into dollars, so dollar-denominated assets. And that just plays right into our thesis, whether it's equities, corporate bonds, treasury. So we have a home bias, and the, the volatility in China is adding to that and helping supporting that. So you don't see any risk of contagion from the possibility that uh, things continue to move slowly in China in terms of the economy there and that potentially having an impact on the broader global economy? I think it's, there's a risk for sure, Nathan, but I think that risk has already been priced in. Look at look at uh, oil prices, for instance, commodity prices, copper. So the China slowdown is priced in, and now gradually the reflation story is going to be priced in, and that's more more upside. So I, I agree with you, the thesis that you know, China is a big player, slow growth, you know, getting your grips on the pandemic is very important. But they recognize the problem, and I think they're moving away from zero-COVID policy, and that's supportive of more assets that we've seen decline, i.e., particularly oil. Are you looking for slower growth in terms of the Fed rate hike path, a slowdown in aggressive policy tightening? We are. Our economists are looking for a recession beginning Q1 of next year, extending into Q3, so basically all of virtually all of 2023. That's been priced in as well, but we'll see how that plays out, but for sure. Monetary policy, as everyone knows, works with a lag. And, you know, the hammer effect is coming very shortly in the Q1 and the Q2 here in the U.S. But I think we're, we're more optimistic that we can bounce out of this. I do think if we're on the cusp of a global recession, I think what the markets are, are looking at, the U.S. will lead. So that, that's important. Like what's on the other side? The U.S. will lead the way forward when we look at, talk about recovery in the second half of next year into 24. Got some interesting commentary from Morgan Stanley uh, speculating that the S&P could drop as much as 15 percent in the first quarter uh, on the balance sheet unwind. Is the market paying enough attention to quantitative tightening? Perhaps not. And Nathan, overlaid with that is just the earnings estimates still have to come down. And I do think margin pressure is going to be really we come home, come home to roost in Q1, in the Q2. So it's, it's really going to separate good companies from the companies that can't manage their costs. So, yeah, the margin pressures, balance sheet issues, I think that's a story for Q1, Q2. And I think that's kind of like where we put in the bottom. You know, I, I don't, you, No one can call a bottom, but when we get to that point where the corporations are kind of throwing in the towel on the earnings estimates, earnings in general will fall, reset, and then we look forward, and that's where we see the rebound in the, in the second half of next year. Got less than a minute left here, Joe. What are you expecting to hear from Chairman Powell in that major speech tomorrow, and what kind of market reaction are you looking for? Well, I think he'll, you know, kind of reiterate what his uh, Fed colleagues have said, you know, over yesterday that you know, they're not done. Um, you know, they've got to continue to raise rates. They're looking carefully at the labor market, retail spending, and so forth. So I think he'll he'll err on the side of being more hawkish than dovish. He doesn't want to give the markets any, I think, the hope of a pivot. It's too early because inflation's still too high. So he's got to be data dependent, and he's got to keep pushing hard, jawboning, 
and quantitative tightening, raising the Fed funds rate to get inflation even remotely back close to the 2%. So they're not even close to 2% where we are today. Great to get your thoughts. Thanks again for being with us, Joe. Joe Quinlan, head of CIO Market Strategy at Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Public areas of the Supreme Court will reopen on Thursday. The sections were closed more than two and a half years ago at the start of the pandemic. A proposed class action filed in a New York federal court accuses Procter & Gamble of deceptively portraying the amount of laundry that can be cleaned with a single container of Tide. A 25-cent-per-gallon gas tax holiday will continue through the end of the year in Connecticut, where state lawmakers met in special session. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need on one legal research platform. Guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. During oral arguments in two cases, a Supreme Court signaled it'll make it harder to prosecute political corruption cases. Justices across the ideological spectrum questioned the Department of Justice targeting those who might be considered private lobbyists for so-called honest services fraud. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storr. So the justices are considering overturning the conviction for so-called honest services fraud of a one-time top aide to former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Tell us about the arguments. Yeah, this is a guy named Joseph Percoco. He was, was a top aide to Andrew Cuomo, and he was accused of accepting bribes on behalf of a couple companies with contract interest. And the key question in the case is, there's this crucial eight-month period in which he wasn't a government employee. He had gone to work for the Cuomo campaign. And the question is whether this federal law that bars the deprivation of honest services from the public, whether that can apply to somebody who, during a crucial period, was not actually a government employee. And based on the arguments of the Supreme Court, seems to think the answer to that is, yeah, probably not, that we are worried that if we allow this law to be used against somebody over conduct that happened when they weren't a government employee, that 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 might mean that we are criminalizing lobbying, criminalizing somebody who is on the outside of the government, who is just trying to pull the strings that they have that that advance policies and are getting paid for doing that work. And they've been cutting back on these public corruption prosecutions for quite a while. Yeah, there have been a couple recent cases. Uh, one, the most recent one, involved two allies of former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie involving the, remember the George Washington Bridge Lane closing scandal. Uh, the court tossed out a couple convictions there. Then back in 2016, they set aside the conviction of former Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell. In that case, the court said the things he did didn't rise to the level of official action. The court in the McDonnell case said that the governor could only be prosecuted for honest services fraud if he did something that rose to the level of an official action, that it wasn't enough if you just arranged a meeting for somebody, that that couldn't be the kind of action that would let you be criminally prosecuted. 
And that's Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storr speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up about nine points. Dow futures are up uh, eight, so they're a little changed. NASDAQ futures up 51. The DAX in Germany a little changed as well. The 10-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds, yield 3.65%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.42%. And NYMEX crude oil is up 2.7% at $79.31 a barrel. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.